He is an unholy cantina baby. And a soft, baggy face. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Star Wars saga began. And Kenner continues the excitement. Star Wars figure. The Empire Strikes Back turn of the Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's the Cast. Newest news on oldest toys. From bubble bath to belt buckles. Twelve packs to two packs. New boss, alien bounty hunter. From the, from the, from the, from the, from the Star Wars collection. Watch out, Black Vader! We bring the world of vintage Star Wars memorabilia alive. Informative features and personal collecting stories. Offer expires December 31st, 1979. An Octavia with Memphis The Supreme Master, the Emperor. Brought to you by the Star Wars Collectors Archive. The SWCA.com. With your hosts, Sky Payne, Steven Chewbacca, 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 and Stephen B. Deadly. On this month's holiday special vintage pod, we talk about Bosk, Hanukkah rancors, vintage Furbies, radio dramas, and we start an East Coast, West Coast collector club beef. We also have a brand new feature, Steve Flips the Script. Vocab is about olive heads, 31 backs, and PPL. And the great Wookiee killer himself, Ron Salvatore, joins the Kidecast to talk about a Nugget hard copy, and the Market Watch displays how to put a Bosque focus together in just 30 days, and start a new tradition of gambling on rugby. Toulouse! Allez, allez, allez! The audio gets a little bit crackle-dackle in the beginning, but it works itself out. Wampa Wampa, and welcome to the Vintage Pod. That's right, we're at the uh, December 2012 episode. Yep, I'm actually fooling Steve here. It's it's 12 o'clock uh, East Coast time. We've just finished recording the entire episode, and I think we need more energy right up here at the top, Steve. <laughs> it's uh, the season four premiere, so you got to come out with a, a punch, right? Exactly. You know, when we started, I, I went to like my kids' recital today. It was beautiful. Uh, my son played Green Onions on drums, which is which is pretty hey. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I was really proud of him, but you know, I just put the kids to bed, and so. By the end of the episode, I have so much adrenaline. I just want to start with that, Steve. Um, I, I, so, nothing wrong with that. So, like you said, it's the it's the fourth season uh, because you know we go by card backs, and uh, after Boba Fett uh, ended, we are now entering the thirty one back realm with with who? Bosk. That's right, Bosk. Uh, I don't like jokes about about boss. You know, I found it kind of lame. You know, like a boss, all those jokes. Yeah, but I did find a lot of like a Bosque T-shirts, and those are actually pretty funny. <laughs> uh, and my my wife's name begins with the letter K, so sometimes I I think of her as Boss K, uh, and then uh, and then that becomes Bosque. But uh, my my movie thought for the month is actually about Bosque's outfit, Steve. Okay. Uh, my main question is, and of course you've already heard this once, but I'm going to say it's so much funnier this time. Why didn't anyone ask Bosk, what are you wearing, before he went outside? <laughs> because he, he's wearing this weird – it's not really a jump – I mean, it is a jumpsuit, but right. it's supposed to be a spacesuit. But then, you know, there's no gloves. There's no, there's no boots. You know, he's no got those, those nasty feet. No helmet. And you look at around his neck, he clearly has a place where you're supposed to put a helmet. You know, that's the padding for the helmet. Yeah, right, right. And when we get into vintage vocab, uh, we're going to actually talk about a toy that has a helmet that is a Bosque. But it just seems to me that what is really going on with this figure 
And so I had an idea that maybe Kenner, or I guess Lucas, was sort of updating the Snaggletooth figure, or the Snaggletooth character. Because he has the height of the blue Snaggletooth, right? right? And he has the sort of spacesuit and the sort of look of the spacefarer. And he's very reptilian. You, you compare the eyes of Snaggletooth to the eyes of uh, Bosk, and they're almost the same. Right. But then he has the nasty feet of a red Snaggletooth. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's just what makes him more alien. So yeah. uh, I, I don't know. That's, that's kind of movie. What do you think about that, Steve? I, I mean, it's a very good question. He's not wearing anything too practical. I mean, unless he, he stole it or, he, you know, left it. He washed it the wrong way, you know. I, I don't right. know. And it shrunk on him. I mean, it's, it's tough to call. Yeah, I mean, I, because there's that great character. There's the spaceman in the cantina. They could have brought him back. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, what's I mean, his name? He like, clearly Bo... has the same kind of getup. It's Bo Sheck, right? Hey, I he, yeah, he sounds like Bosk. Interesting. Hey, you're right. Whoa, Steve! Oh it's a good thing we recorded this. We just made a vintage discovery. <laughs> How about that, Bo Sheck and Bosk? That must have been it, Steve. They must have tried to mate. The spaceman from the cantina and the snaggletooth from the cantina. <laughs> they put them together. They mixed in a little bit of an iguana. Right. Or the devil guy. The devil guy, right? Because he's kind mm -hmm. of a lizardy. There's other lizards in the cantina. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He is an unholy cantina baby. Wow. Man, that just took it up a whole other notch. It is. Boshek and Bosk. You heard it here first, folks. That's awesome. Because, you know, when I first talked about it, I talked about how he's the enemy of the Wookiees and stuff. And eh, that's kind of interesting, you know. I mean, it is cool that that I should hate Bosk because he's a Trandoshan. And if you look at the at the Wookiee storybook, there's these lizards that take that take Wookiees as slaves. And I part, part of me wonders if that's actually where they got the idea in later Expanded Universe to make Trandoshans enemies of Wookiees. Hmm. But that's not as interesting as Boshek becoming Bosk. <laughs> now, the only problem is, was it Wizards of the Coast or whatever West End Games that named Boshek? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, we'll have to find out. You know who could tell us, Steve? <laughs> the audience could tell us by uh, yes, emailing right. us, kivecast at gmail.com. Uh, they can uh, Facebook us at facebook.com. Just look up Kivecast Vintage Pod. Uh, Steve, you've been doing a good job there. You've been keeping up the pictures. You've Trying been to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always... It's better than the show notes, um, because... Well, I don't know about that, but I mean, it's, to me, it's just it's just another outlet. It's the cream of the crop, and people actually comment on them, whereas nobody ever comments on the, on the actual blog <laughs> On post. the actual website? Yeah, I mean, there's been maybe a total of 15 posts in the history in the 35 episodes we've been doing this steve and maybe 14 of them were that from that spam episode you remember that oh yeah oh yeah oh we got another good spam recently but i forget what it was oh um but yeah so definitely check out the facebook page uh, follow us on twitter uh, uh, the kivecast is how you find us uh, our tweeter tweeter duder he's having a, he just had a kid so uh he's been a little bit uh busy but he's still been keeping us keeping it up so come check us out, kivecast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how we were going to start off this month, Steve. Feeling good? Feeling great. Should we record the whole thing over again or just the, just the intro? Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think the news is pretty good, guys. You, you, let's, you have just, some... let's let the, the, pat, you know, the magic of post-production do its thing right now. Yeah. I, that's my vote. That's right. Awesome, Steve. Well, uh, let's uh, hit the news. News, don't mess 
It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's All right, Steve. Well, you know, we're recording this early because you're, uh, you're going on vacation, right? Where, where are you going, Steve? I'm uh, going to visit some family over in the uh, Hawaiian Islands. My dad is doing a little Christmas get-together get together there, so I'm, I'm heading out next week. But, uh, I'm more excited than ever. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great, Steve. You're able to escape the terrible weather of Southern California and <laughs> escape to Hawaii. Uh, for, uh, as, a, as a transformation into uh, Hopchester already well underway, or is it still Rochester? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we are actually no. It's it's pretty it's pretty mild here. It's cold, but it's not snowing. But okay. uh, we're doing the equivalent. We're we're vacationing in New Hampshire. So uh, uh, all right. And hopefully, I'm going to meet up with a couple of our uh, Cavcast buddies down there. Cool. Um, I need to I need to email them. So. That means I'll probably forget to email them, and then I'll come <laughs> back and be this, like, we'll "Serve as another reminder." Hey, yeah, there you go, there you go. But uh, it is actually currently Hanukkah, Steve. Right. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of Star Wars memories for people. Uh, I guess this is not really news; it's memory time with yeah. with, with Uncle Sky. Um, so I don't have any Christmas memories of Star Wars toys. Do you, Steve? Uh, not vintage ones, but some micro machines and stuff like that for sure. But that—that's sad, Sky. I'm, I'm, that just really it bums me out. Well, yeah, well, it's, it's funny. I think because it had already all been bought for my brothers, or whatever it is, okay. or you know, my parents are pretty good about getting me toys. So they—they they just get me toys. Maybe not save it for Christmas. Right. Um, but the only Star Wars memory I have around this time of year, it was in the basement. Now you have to understand one thing about about Sky Payne. I did not understand the difference between any religion until I was about 26. Like, uh, I didn't right. understand the difference between a Catholic, a Protestant, a Jew, a Muslim, anything. So I had friends who were not what I was, which I didn't know what I was anyway. Um, but, like, I didn't understand what they were. All that I knew was that the kids who celebrated Hanukkah, who I had, I had no idea had anything to do with anything having to do with Judaism, that, that they got eight days of presents. All right. And so I just happened to be in the basement of my friend Jeff Levy's house, uh, who went on to minor fame as being the first person sued by the record companies for stealing music. Ooh, um, wow. Yeah, he was like that guy who was, you know, millions of dollars or whatever, like, like $470 million. Um, but anyways, he was a nice guy, and we got along well, and, and I was there when he showed me his, his rancor that he got for Hanukkah. Oh, nice. And I mean, I didn't know the toy existed. I had never, you know, it was my favorite movie. I'd never seen the toy. And I remember thinking, I don't know what Hanukkah is, but it has something to do with rancors. And <laughs> I think I got a bad hand in, in whatever this Christmas thing is. I want a rancor. Oh, man. <laughs> so that, that's, that's my memory. Um, nice, nice. But that's, it's really kind of, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a bittersweet memory. I still never, <laughs> never really played with the vintage rancor, Steve. Oh, man, we're going to have to fix that, too. Maybe at the next... Uh party um but i think probably that the biggest thing that i've seen recently comes from uh, pete velmer steve what, what was that uh that would be the these cool toy fair photos uh from 1978 and um they they were scanned and put up um i'm not sure how long they've been up but they were most recently posted on rebel scum a couple days ago and there are just some great images of the, of the original setup at, at toy fair yeah they're really beautiful i mean you, you see the First of all, I, I don't know exactly who this guy is in these pictures. Yeah. He looks like an extra from that 70s show. I mean, <laughs> he's got the hair. He's got the, the wide lapels. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just such a great glimpse into what Toy Fair looked like. And whoever's yeah. taking the pictures was skilled. And, mm -hmm. 
oh, the, you just see this one picture, you know, we'll put it up in our show notes of, uh, of Fez here holding up an R2D2 toy, you know, a uh, 12 back. And then yeah. behind him is a full scale model of R2D2. Yeah. And then behind that is an awesome Star Wars logo with like a, a weird, it's like not an actual Star Wars logo. It looks no, like no, it, no. but it's the S is off. Made in, I guess, in shop, I guess. <laughs> right. And then there's X-Wings and TIE Fighter, Kenner X-Wings and TIE Fighters all around it in kind of like a yeah. cool scale diorama. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really sick. Yeah, and actually, Steve, I didn't really notice it, right? But the, the pictures, the toys themselves weren't production, were they? Uh, I don't know if all of them are. I know it looks like, at least for those 12-inch figures, there's some of those kind of mock-up. Like for the Chewy, I think uh, that was from was like a Bigfoot figure or a Bionic Man. Well, yeah, we, we can get to which, that, Steve, but, but uh, have you looked at the, at the Luke that he's holding up? Oh, hold on a second. I might be looking at a different picture. All right, so there's one um, where he's holding up a Luke. And it's uh, it's a fully squared corners. It's not, oh, it's not rounded oh, corners. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. I haven't actually read this thread, so it could be that people have been talking about this for three days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so then they're not, you know, really production. They're probably like, you know, uh, mock-ups. Yeah. And then, Steve, really of neat. course, you were talking about my favorite thing, which, of course, <laughs> is the Chewbacca 12-inch... Uh, mock-up, which was from a six million dollar man, six million dollar man, uh, right. Bigfoot. And if you if you look at some of the the early, there's like photographs of the Chewbacca in that, uh, it, like in the actual box, you know, yeah. in the actual twelve inch box, but with that toy and that weird squished up little face he has. Oh, all right. But I have to say, it's it looks kind of cooler than the actual twelve inch Chewie. <laughs> just because the head is big and it looks a lot more detailed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Something about the about the twelve inch chewy that's I mean it's great, but it just it feels just like almost like a gentle giant, just like a bigger version of oh, the small of figure. The actual figure, yeah. Whereas here he's kinda got like, you know, like a bigger hands, he's like kind of you know, muscular and you know. Beastly. Beastly. <laughs> a giant beast of a man. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, those are really ex really exciting news, and uh, you know we we've sort of been uh, uh, we talked a little bit about about Toy Hunter, Steve. Yeah, but not since it got really picked up and has really picked up steam. I think since the last time we talked about it. Right. I mean, you know, obviously I talked about it because I was the the panelist of that panel at C six. Right. Um, although I still haven't seen it, of course. Oh. <laughs> Never will. I will someday, you know, when I'm older and I can look at myself saying, oh, I was younger then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be doing really well. Um, my wife thought it would be a great idea to save money uh, if we canceled cable. Mm. Um, so that basically means I can't watch sports. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we have, you know, $10 more a month, so that's good. Uh, and the other <laughs> thing is I can't watch Toy Hunter. So I'm, I'm kind of bummed about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess... I mean, it's gotten so big that it's even on Good Morning America now. Right. Now I don't even need cable. So, <laughs> so uh, what, what's this story, Steve? So, I mean, uh, Jordan, uh, I think this was yesterday's or a couple days ago. It was very recent. Um, he was on Good Morning America uh, kind of appraising different uh, vintage toys and other toys. And uh, the uh, General Giant uh, re-releases of the big figures were, were uh, mentioned and you made a great note here that, you know, I mean, even though he's talking about a vintage Furby from 1998, 
<laughs> you know, yeah. Um, it says basically all of the toys take a backseat to, to Star Wars, and that's it's still the truth, I think. Yeah, I I really want to talk about that because you know he does this whole sort of vintage roadshow thing. Yeah. Um, you know, which is cool, but then he makes reference to a Furby from 1998 as being a vintage Furby. Right. And I, I guess that must be how, you know, G.I. Joe collectors feel when Star Wars collectors call something vintage when their vintage is 10 years before that right. or whatever. Just I, I love that how obviously vintage is a variable term, but boy, calling a Furby vintage, that is yeah. just crazy. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then then the host, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, this just totally, you know, lame Dude, he you know. used to be on ESPN. I don't remember oh, his did? name, but I, I I recognized him from ESPN. Uh, he reminds me a lot of uh, Jim Haggerty from uh, The Onion. If you ever watched the Today Now series, oh yeah, um, which I think is the best thing on t- on television or internet. I I, I love that. But yeah. uh, you know, he just he has that whole. But everything takes a backseat to Star Wars action figures. Yeah, <laughs> which is really great because that's really. Uh, Again, you know, we, we spent a lot of last month talking about the health of our hobby. I think it's, but, you know, never helped, been healthier, really, not, especially since the way things are turning. Yeah, and just seeing the Gentle Giants there, I sort of had this theory that showing Gentle Giant to, to just the masses really will help because it, it, it connects to that feeling that you want to get from having the old toys. Yeah, and I don't know because I've I've collected vintage before that, but I imagine once you buy a gentle giant figure, you kind of want to get the real thing. I, I yeah, could be wrong. You want to go down that road again? Or I could be wrong for the first time. Hey, you know, if you're ever listening to this episode in the future or now, and gentle giant led you into vintage, we'd love to know because uh, that that'd be an interesting story to know if if someone just said, "Wow, this is a great sculpt," you know, seeing it 18 feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, I got a, an email. Uh, as, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the folks over at the, the Forcecast. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jimmy Mack, the sound producer who uh, does a bulk of the work over there, um, and it's, you know been 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 good to our show. He uh, he's he worked on something, and they've been hyping it up over there. And he said, "Would you please do play this promo for us?" Okay. So I think we will. And what it is, Steve? Have you ever listened to their radio dramas? No, I, I haven't. Well, they are... Wait, what? I know. Isn't that crazy? You never listened to the NPR radio dramas? Not too much, really, no. Oh, Steve. Actually, you know what? I listened to those for the first time doing the grapevine from uh, L.A. to... Oh, all right. Yeah, going from like L.A. to, to, to Oakland. The Bay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, used, I used to listen to that all the time. Anyways, it was just this great thing that happened in, uh, in, the, early, in the late 70s, early 80s, where NPR put on... A radio adaptation of Star Wars. Yeah, I've heard about it. I've never actually heard it, though. That's cool. And what, what made it so great, obviously, much like the, the give-a-show projector or the, the read-along storybooks, is just how amazing life was before any home media, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, this is it. You, you got this recreation or you got nothing. You know, exactly, you had to have the yeah. little slide, and you got to focus it, and then you got to play the record along with it at the same time, and then when it goes bing, you got to turn the page, or you got nothing. So it, it came from that, that era, and it's, it's just great. It's really good entertainment. And uh, Kyle Newman, the guy who did the, the Fanboys movie, um, I'm actually mm-hmm. try, trying to get him on the show because he, he hypes up vintage a lot uh, for those guys. And Fanboys yeah. is, is a great movie, of course. Steve and I went and saw that movie. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could tell oh, him man. that story, Steve? <laughs> 
Should we tell our audience that story? I don't think they've heard it for a couple of years. Uh, maybe, yeah. Why not? So in the brief time that I knew Steve in Santa Barbara, uh, there was a Fanboys movie premiere at the Santa Barbara Magic Lantern Theater Yeah. Uh, at the University of California, Santa Barbara. So uh, I invited Steve, uh, a girl who I was kind of trying to set Steve up with. I never, I never told you that, Steve. Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> I never told her that either. And I don't think either of you even noticed, so it, it worked out great on that. <laughs> but uh, th- there, was a, uh, there was a costume contest. And uh, no offense, Steve, but Californians are so insistent on just remaining mellow that yeah. nobody got dressed up. So I had, no, I had no. a sweatshirt. <laughs> I had a Chewbacca sweatshirt, and I won the contest. Uh, I mean, isn't that sad when you, when you think of like comparing that to the stuff you see at these, like the celebrations? It's just yeah. Like... It's, it's so funny. It was such a yeah. California victory. Yeah. yeah it's it like, was. it's <laughs> like that. It's like the great onion, uh, the great onion headline, uh, man who won pie eating contest, unaware of contest. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, this, this guy, uh, Kyle Newman, who's, uh, He's, he's a really cool guy. If you ever listen to the Forcecast, he does a lot of the sort of really deep thoughts. Uh, a lot of the his, – his talks about the movies would go well with our kind of opening thoughts, the kind of deeper okay. considerations. And he just decided to make a radio drama. And uh, they put it on at Celebration 6, which, All of right. course, I had no idea. But, again, I never heard of Star Wars Detours uh, <laughs> until a month after Celebration 6. Yeah. And they performed it live, and they have all the sound effects, and I've listened to it, and it's about a half an hour, and, uh, you know, of course, it's, it's, it's as dorky as anything else in Star Wars, but uh, also in a good way, you know, because the, the voices are really good, and uh, it's, it's a good story. So, anyways, I think uh, we might as well sort of push some of our listeners to that, too, because yeah. if you like hearing talking about Star Wars, I think it, it really should be rewarded, this effort, because it was basically all just podcasters and people affiliated with podcasters making real Star Wars content. Oh, that's awesome. And of course, Steve, you and I are going to be working on our own radio play. <laughs> radio drama. Which we'll oh, be man. talking about in the feedback section. So stay tuned. <laughs> uh, all right, so let, let's have a listen to the, the promo for The Smuggler's Gambit. All right. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away... Smuggler's Gambit, a new Star Wars audio adventure, written and directed by Kyle Newman, co-written by F.J. DeSanto, and produced by the Force Cast's Jimmy Mack. Recorded live at Star Wars Celebration 6 in Orlando. Put the joint! Smuggler's Gambit stars David Collins as Han Solo and features the talented cast of The Clone Wars, including Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer, Dee Bradley Baker, Tom Kane, Matthew Wood, Matt Lanter, Claire Grant, and Daniel Logan as Boba Fett. Hey, who's shooting at us? Leave it so soon, Solo. Shields, Chewie! I said shields, Chewie! Hear Smuggler's Gambit, a Han Solo adventure for free. And watch the behind-the-scenes video at StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. We should have left after the Death Star, huh, Furface? That's StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. So, yeah, so this is the, 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 the fourth season here, uh, kicking off with Bosk. And part of the new exciting things happening in the fourth season is I've made a new drop, Steve, for Ooh. something that will come out of your discussion about Kasdan. Awesome. So uh, what's up with the uh, – who is who is Larry Kasdan, Steve? Well, I mean, I think most, most uh, Star Wars people would know him as the screenwriter for Empire Strikes Back and 
think he co-wrote Return of the Jedi, and he also wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark. But, uh, I mean, yeah, for Empire, he didn't, you know, it wasn't completely his script. He took uh, Lee Brackett's uh, script and kind of reworked it because she had unfortunately passed away. But he did a really good job with it, and um, I'm just kind of privy to his notes because at the, the archive that I work, they have uh, the only copy or photocopy of his handwritten draft. And um, <laughs> and that's right. That's so, going to be where we introduce the new feature on the Kivecast called Steve Flips the Script. Flip the script. It's getting really, really hot here. Flip the script. Flip the script. So let's hear it, Steve. All right. So, Bosk, uh, this is just a handwritten note. Um, <laughs> all right. So this is scene 105, and he is described, this is like his little description of the bounty hunters. Bosk is a slimy, tentacled monster with two huge bloods and a soft, baggy face. (laughs) 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 Oh, the tentacle is great, but the soft, baggy face. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that just means that Bosk is a... An alcoholic, or uh, right. just seen better days. I, I really don't know, but <laughs> wow, your soft, baggy face—that's awesome, Steve. Thank you for flipping the script. Actually, yeah. I, I don't have an outro for that, so I'll just say that. Yeah, but I guess I'm... on that note, it's, it is related to a news item that uh, Kazan is being brought back into the fold for the the post schools. Right. I think it was first announced that he would be writing and producing one of the episodes, but then a more recent Hollywood Reporter article said that he may actually be doing his own kind of spin-off. Uh, yeah, it, it's all it's all weird and, and vague, but he's, yeah, he's at least vague, involved. At least he's involved. I, I think that is a good sign. Yep. Yeah, me, yeah, me too. Flip this. Oh, okay. Um, and then, Steve, actually, you're becoming so Hollywood, Steve. I know. Isn't it sad? Because you, the next note, I'm going to read it verbatim. And I have no idea what it means. And that's why I put it in here. This is, this is one of Steve's pre-show notes. Quote, perhaps discuss the Hobbit's 48 FPS technology and its impact for the new SW? So what is a <laughs> Hobbit right, I'll, and I'll what is a 48 FPS? <laughs> All right. So uh, a lot of people, or maybe not many people know that the, the new Hobbit movie was shot at 48 frames per second, which is twice the uh, the normal speed for for regular films, oh. and uh, and it's only a handful of theaters that are going to be projecting it this way. But I got to see it through work. Um, oh, you're so, man, I don't know so Hollywood, Steve. Oh man, you're going to be too big for us soon. Oh no no. So could could you tell? Oh yeah, I mean it, it was very very distracting for me, but uh, I distracting mean distracting bad. Well, I mean. The image was really clear, and you know the action scenes looked neat. But like, just Bilbo going through his trunk felt so sped <laughs> up that I almost like got dizzy and passed out. So, <laughs> but uh, I just I'm, I'm worried that like with these new Star Wars movies that this this is going to become the new normal, which would just make me sad. But uh, oh, I don't know. Wow, I can see it happening. Wow, strong opinions. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really throw out my strong opinions that much. But I, but this one, I'm I'm. I'm I'm feeling strong about it. No, so. you, you save it for Gonkenstein and uh, <laughs> and not liking 48 F piece. Wow, <laughs> well, that, that that that's exciting. Yeah, well, Steve, you know they're going to do it, right? Because yeah, I, it's got to be HD I'm digital. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I want to know what what other people seeing it that have the chance to see it this way. I'm curious to see what you think. So yeah, yeah. No, what well, I, I, Steve, do you think that we're going to have that many F P's out here in Rochester? <laughs> You never know. I mean, you got the Imminent Permits Institute out there. They might have a nice 
theater. You could you could it's watch. True, it, it is the birthplace of Kodak, but uh, <laughs> it's also the yeah. the death place of Kodak. So uh. <laughs> maybe maybe. <laughs> Uh, all right, now here's something I do understand, Steve. Uh, there was right. a huge gathering, once again, across the pond, as they say. Uh, and I don't know too much about it. I know that, that Gus and Duncan signed there. Uh, it was called The Farthest From. And yeah. It was a Star Wars vintage toy collector gathering. Um, wow, Steve, I wish I could go to these things. I know. This looks so fun. Yeah, it really does. And the thing I'm most jealous about, obviously, is they created exclusive features, uh, exclusive figures Yep. And Steve, it's like they were made for us to want to go, Steve. I know. There's there's three here that that I mean, oh, it's just right up our alley. So the the one obviously they they made these cool flock figures. You know, like flock. How would you describe flock? Like uh <laughs> I mean, I don't really know how to It's how not to quite furry. It. It's not quite fuzzy. It's in between furry. fuzzy and furry. Yeah, it's like, like fuzzy. Um and uh and so they made a flock baka. And right. and an Admiral Flock Bar, and yeah. they're just beautiful. And I, oh, well, I'm sure I'll be able to pick one up on the secondary market sometime. Yeah. Um, now, did you see the the Lobot too? He looks like he had a fro. No, I didn't see that one yet. Ah, see, look, go on their uh, their Facebook page. There's a gallery. Of and there would be the one show. for Lobot. There's a Lobot in there that has an afro. It looks pretty awesome. Oh man, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh. Yet another fun thing that we, we won't be able to do. But uh, <laughs> but still, it's just great that these things are being out there. You know, I also saw on, on the forums uh, some folks are trying to put together a, a collector's club meeting for Colorado and Wyoming. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah, it's really awesome. So it seems like, you know, this idea of creating these communities that are more sort of vintage-oriented kind of niche, yeah. is, is exploding, which leads us quite nicely into our <laughs> next discussion, Steve. That's right. And that is the Collector Club meetings on the two coasts. Yep. Um, so I think we should go in origin of hip-hop order. And uh, we'll start on the East Coast, and then we'll go to the West Coast. All right. That sounds fair. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I'd like to talk about the Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club. Uh, it was a small meeting, but it was an awesome meeting. And it was, hey, that's, it was, that's, that's all you really need, as long a, as it's awesome. It was a really good start. And uh, there's just... You know, tons of uh, just, you know, lots of food and talking and just toys and just all of us there. We just said, oh, right. This is why we collect. You know, it's not to have things. It's just to talk about things. Yeah. And uh, I just it's been a couple of months. So I'm going to have to look at my notes um, to see exactly what I said there. <laughs> um, let's see. So Jason uh, had a cool C-3PO case. Uh, it was a pre-production item. And it actually said, 15, abuse. That, that's what was written on top. Um, so it was actually a case that was used to, like, smack, you know, <laughs> to, like, beat up. And uh, that made me think of the Sam Snyder commercial, Steve. Uh, it's before both of our times. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I don't think so. There's a famous line of commercials of, of a gorilla picking up Sam Snyder, uh luggage and, like, slamming okay. it on the ground and trying to break it and he can't do it. So, uh, so what I would like to do is, is sort of take this and run with it and have Chewbacca taking a, uh, a C-3PO case and slamming it and trying to break it and see the, you know, the, the, the Kenner people sitting there checking it off saying, oh, it didn't break. Oh, man, that's a good idea. Yeah, wouldn't that be funny? I mean, we can't really do the video. Um, no. But I don't know. Uh, is there like a, a person out there who does animation? See, that, that? Would, that would be a...
perfect little animated short, I think. That would be. I'm just yeah. saying because, uh, Steve, you know, coming up soon, whenever you let, uh, whenever you let me get unchained, I'm going to have my long speech about the post-colonial uh, tension implied in the C-3PO Chewbacca relationship. Ooh, um, we're definitely going to get to that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a uh, a Wednesday, December at ten thirty. But maybe for maybe for Black History Month, um, because uh, I've I've been thinking about that a lot lately, Steve. Mm. Like driving off the side of the road because I'm thinking about it so much. Oh man, much. Well, don't do that. Uh, yeah, I, I won't do that. But uh, there's a lot, lot of interesting stuff um, because, of course, C-3PO is racist. Um, right, but we, we have this. I'll, I'll save it. I'll, I'll save it for. Uh, I'll save that for later. Uh, we had a long discussion about whether or not to pronounce unarticulated bootlegs as unart or unart. Mm. Uh, so I just think that's a fun thing to debate again. Uh, what's yeah. your vote, Steve? Um, you know, it's funny. I guess my inclination was to always just say unart, even though I know that didn't really make grammatical sense. I just thought it sounded better. Right. It sounds more bootleggy. Yeah, it sounds it definitely sounds more bootleggy. But yeah. I, I got news for you, everybody. Uh, unarticulated is not how you say unarticulated in Polish, okay? <laughs> I don't speak Polish, but I know enough to know unarticulated is not how you say it. <laughs> so I'm going to go with una, uh, unart, how Kenner really did care. He lost one bowcaster, so he sent them a letter, and they sent him a pack of 41 accessories. Oh, man, that's an Ooh. arsenal. That, that's, man. Yeah, that's I guess good. that was pretty standard back in the day. You know, they would just say, oh, he lost one. Here you go. Just take this. Take um, 40. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was pretty cool because then he would take those and he would trade the, the hard-to-find ones for full figures. And that's how he kind of built his whole uh, loose figure collection. Oh, cool. So, you know, that's, that, that's pretty cool. Um, I also saw a pretty neat Emperor Trilogo card back. I forget who had it. But it had a foreign price sticker. Ah. And I've seen lots of foreign price stickers. Well, not lots. I've seen some. But this one was really cool because it had an umlaut on it. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it had to be from Germany. So if we have any German listeners out there, uh, the name of the store was Albert Bowie. B-O-Umlaut-E. And I just, that was the coolest price sticker I've ever seen by far. Nice. Uh, Mike the Massive, um, who doesn't post that much, but he's, he's, he's around and he was uh, yeah. a nice person to visit. First of all, he was the, he is able to like braid Princess Leia's hair better than Kenner. Like he can take a, a vintage Kenner doll and just absolutely perf perfectly put it back in order, Whoa. uh, which is pretty spooky, but he also <laughs> had his childhood figures, but not his actual childhood figures, but he had the card backs with the bubbles cut. From his huh. childhood collection. Wow. So, like, archaeologically speaking, this was really cool because it was every figure he ever had, and it had the price tags on it, so you could trace, okay, so he bought this one here, he bought that one there, and there was actual figures. And, you know, you, you see card backs, and you can imagine the story behind them, but to actually have them there uh, was, was really pretty special. Yeah, so that, that's like having a genealogy for your collection that's that's sweet yeah yeah so that was cool we're having our next meeting in march uh at okay. the national toy hall of fame um which actually is it is it the same national toy hall of fame that's in uh california yeah, oh you don't have a national toy hall of fame <laughs> that's right East i'm gonna try and start a war with you steve um yeah so uh That'll be really fun um, because, the, as we all know, Star Wars was just. Wait, have we talked about that yet, Steve? I don't know if we have. 
Oh, Steve, we are so off our game today. We Breaking are. news, Star Wars toys were officially elected into the National Toy Hall of Fame. Ah. Did you not know that? You know what? I, how long ago did this happen? Because it started. It was a couple like months a ago. It was, it was just right before over. the whole oh Disney new movie thing. Okay. Yeah, I I'm, I may have just missed it with all the the crazy hubbub. Yeah. So that that was just you know really cool and really interesting uh, that that Star Wars is finally in there because they don't just give it to any fly by night toy. You know, no. like they. It has to have a certain standard, um, kind of like the way Pez used to be. I don't know if you know this, Steve. I used to collect Pez. Um, no. But uh, they, they used to have this thing where they wouldn't do just any toy. Like they didn't do Star Wars until the 90s because they, it had to have like an intergenerational appeal. It had mm. to be something stable. It had to be something distinguished. And yeah. then like recently it's been like uh, B-movie Pez? Sure. Huh. Absolutely. You know, they just, they dropped their standards. Hmm. But the National Toy Hall of Fame has not. So we're going to celebrate that next March. So I'm pretty yeah. sure, Steve, there's nothing that uh, you did during your California meeting that could possibly rival uh, that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we, uh, we were privileged, are privileged to visit the uh, renowned Rancho Obi-Wan in Petaluma. That's uh, Steve Sansweet's uh, private but now public museum, which is just out of this world. It was crazy. Um, but I was thinking about it. It's like we hadn't had a meeting for almost a year. And I'm like, well, if we're going to have a meeting, we might as well make it a good one. And right. uh, we actually got a record turnout. I think we had, I think, a total of 13 people there for the really? tour. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and Steve, I mean, he was, you could tell, I think he'd already given a couple tours that week and he was pretty wiped out. But once he got in there and started talking about things, it was like, I mean, we were there for over five hours. And uh, oh, wow. it was just a blast. That must have been really fun. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's worth it's worth the trip um, for sure. So I'm I'm bummed that, that you couldn't be there. You would have you would have really loved it. Right. But uh, I mean, it, it's just the sheer variety is is staggering. But then I think the weirdest moment is that uh, we were walking down just a dark aisle of, of boxes, and I could tell that there were vintage carded figures in these boxes. I can't remember who it was. It was either Trevor uh, or, or maybe it was Phidias. They pulled out a box, and the entire box was full of carded Lily Letty figures, just in a box. No. I mean, nicely packed, but just a, a box full of them. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> just crazy. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable. Um, oh, that's awesome. And, you know, so, yeah, it, that's exactly what I want to imagine it's like. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of pogs and stuff. But oh, still, yeah, I mean, there's anything you can possibly think of. Um, yeah, just full boxes, you know, silly lady figures. Oh wow. Yeah, but uh, on the the club blog, we I there was too many pictures to kind of you know post individually. So I posted some, but I also did a little slideshow uh, of, of kind of the highlights from everyone's photos, which uh, gives you a good feeling of the place. And yeah, I, you know, it was really really nice of them to help us organize it. And and Will Grief. Uh, was kind of the guy who took the lead on getting it set up, and it was great. I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping we can get all you know get the group up there again, kind of make it a regular thing because it, it's just a place that you could stay in for much longer than five hours as a as a collector. Oh, that's awesome, Steve. Well, good job for getting that all set up, and I'll make it out there next time. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, that's that's better than National Toy Hall of Fame. <laughs> Stupid California. But uh, yeah, well, I would. Uh, I think we only have sort of a couple more items left of news. Um, 
I think uh, there's a pretty good uh, – you know what? I'm going to go ahead and call it a really good podcast out there uh, called Talking Toys. Okay. And uh, if you like us, Steve, um, which – well, we don't, <laughs> but other people do. Uh, <laughs> we're self-hating podcasters. Now, right. um, if you like people talking about old toys, they're, they're a really good show. Uh, just, just look up Talking Toys, and they just did a recent one on the micro collection. Oh, cool. Which is great because probably the most common question I get asked is, when are you guys going to do the micro collection? Yeah. Uh, and the answer is I'm, I'm, I, I keep thinking this book is going to come out, you know? Right, so right. Think of that, but we'll have to do a micro episode at some point. But yeah. until that time, go check them out. Uh, I also listened to their whole thing. They have a whole thing like – I think it was like – uh, Masters of the Universe, and like I don't care at all about Masters of the Universe, but they go into the kind of detail where you get kind of interested in it. You know, like they tell the stories yeah. and they're collectors, and and they they also look from it from like a, a a collecting standpoint, also kind of like a play standpoint. You know, how how can you actually play with them? Yeah. So, uh, um, wow, I'm just doing lots of cross hey, cross promoting. Look at us, Steve. Uh, yeah, but so check out Talking Toys. Um, and I think they listened to our show too, or at least uh, they did a couple months ago. Um, but I don't, hopefully, listen now because uh, it's a good show. Uh, and then, Steve, you wanted to do a limelight. Should, should I let my horrible drop in here for the limelight or no? <laughs> Maybe just a snippet. Okay. All right. Limelight. Okay. All right. There was a snippet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this was a while ago, but this is uh, one of my favorite limelights in a while. What, what is it, Steve? Uh, it's uh, Nick Tom's uh, Holiday Special Collection, which is, I mean, it's really unique because it takes one of those just kind of odd side shows to the whole Star Wars world and, and really gives it some love. Um, it's kind of like a time capsule, really, because it's just, it's items of any kind you can really think of that are all from around that time period. And it just makes the holiday special look like this amazing thing. Right, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's just uh, truly remarkable. Well, it was an amazing thing. Steve. Yes, it, it, it is amazing in, in its own way. We just have to go about defining amazing. You know, that's a, right. that's a tough thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's like there's some just really nice parts of this setup. Like, for instance, he has a great picture of the, the Tomart's action figure digest with the unproduced toys from it. Yeah, uh, and then he has a Chewie and a couple of the the Fisher Price figures that maybe Lumpy was going to be based on, and then he has the the Wookiee storybook, and then just a card back, you know, a Chewie card back, which is yeah, just a great example where you see it and you think, oh, he doesn't have an actual carded figure, but I look at it the other way, like this, I get it, I see the point of his display. Uh, this is exactly this gives me an idea of what this was and what the importance is. And it's, yeah. and you know, he, he could take that money and use that to buy an amazing thing. Like a, like an original, uh, cell sketch of Boba Fett, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, he's got some great stuff. I mean, I love all of the, uh, the original ads, ads for the thing. They just end up like the, the set photos and things like that. It just really captures it. Um, right. Yeah, and and not only that, but I was just noticing, Steve, he has a full set of Topps candy heads. Yeah. Um. So that was the uh, Chris Jogulius unloved item of the month last that's month. That's right. That's right. He's got them. He's got them all right here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he seems like he has a really fun collection. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. I don't know where he lives. He lives in USA. Well, that's that could be real close to you or real close to me or neither. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's just a really a really cool collection, and uh, I don't. There's just something about it that makes me. Like you said, you know, it makes you feel a certain warmth for the uh, 
for the, for the holiday special. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, I think uh, maybe we should do a little bit of uh, Bosky vocab. Sounds good. It's vintage. Ooh, Steve, ah, nothing wakes me up like a little bit of uh, holiday special talk. <laughs> you know, that was really, it was so PC before PC existed. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I mean, just the idea of not calling it the Christmas special, you know, and, and really it's very, very non-denominational. It's, just, it's the Life Day special. Yeah. I often wonder if I would have liked Star Wars if I had been old enough to watch the holiday special. Because I, I hate being disappointed. I hate being tricked, you know, like... Yeah. I hated yeah. onions for the longest time because I, sometimes I'd get those, like, boiled peas with the pearl onions in them. <laughs> and, and I hated it, but I didn't know why because I liked peas. And so that just... I hated the food for tricking me. That's what I used to always say. Um, then my brother makes fun of me. Uh, he calls me Gollum. <laughs> it tricks me. But uh, I, I could just see myself just saying, you know what? I don't like this story anymore. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I can't do it. It tricked me. Isn't anyway, that? You might need some help, man. That, that sounds that sounds troublesome. Oh, about, about feeling that food tricks me? Yeah, or just anything tricks you. Food especially. <laughs> you don't want your food to trick you. Oh, man. That's why I hate tab. Dude. I, oh, God. <laughs> of all things. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I, can, I can go with you on tab. Well, the thing I didn't understand, right? Like, I was a sodaholic when I was a kid. You know, I didn't know it was not good for you. So I remember my godmother, she gave me a can of tab, and I just kept on pouring packet after packet of sugar into it. Thinking, because it said sugar-free, so I'm like, well, if I add sugar to it, certainly it's going to taste good. Oh. Uh, but actually, Steve, the whole reason why I actually – it's weird. I don't like to go into my own psychology um, <laughs> publicly, but I just happen to have this thought right now. I used to have to take asthma medication when I was a kid, right. and my mom would, cr would crush it up and put it into applesauce. Mm. Which left a really nasty taste. So I'm pretty sure that's where my hatred for things tricking me comes from. Ah, uh, yeah. Is that right, I, I even hated deception? I hated I applesauce for a long time. You know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think. Uh, and you know what? I think that's why why people don't like the prequels too. In a lot of ways, they feel tricked. Uh, you know, that's the, true. The trailer. Okay, uh, let's get to the vintage vocab, Steve. All right. <laughs> so I, I wanted to kind of go three levels deep. Okay. Into the vocab. I want to do three different things that all pertain to Bosk. Um, right. I think the the vintage pod really needs to go heavy into the vocab because people really like the vocab section. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed. So the first one, Steve, is something I had never heard of. And neither had I. <laughs> the two words I'm going to put together don't seem to go together. And it's going to sound like I'm insulting Steve when I call him an olive head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you olive head. Get over here, y'all of head stuff. You're like a pimento. Uh, <laughs> so an olive head, Steve. So you never heard of this either? No, no. And I, when I saw your post on, on the forums, I just laughed. Like, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Well, see, the thing is, I don't usually, I've actually, I don't post that many new threads anymore because most of my thoughts come out on the show. But I was prepping for the show, and uh, Brisbane Brisbane Mike has an amazing market watch. Look forward yes. to that uh, in, in the future. Uh, you can actually go through the entire 
You can get an entire boss collection just from this one market watch. Um, <clears throat> but at the end, he said that there's an AFA graded olive head bosk. Yeah. Now, Steve, I'm I'm cool with with variations. I know about about purple smock eggnots, and I know about uh, green limb Chewbacca's and small head hands and orange head Luke's and all that stuff. But I'd never right. heard of, of olive head uh, bosk. So I, mm. I asked around, Steve, and uh, do you know what what the, I was told? Uh, I didn't see that your response yet. I caught it right when you posted it. What, what did you get? Some good feedback on that? Yeah, basically, it's not. It's most likely not discoloration, according to okay. people who who study this stuff. But it's probably just a slightly different, like plastic, that comes okay. across as more green and less orange. All right. So um, is there a, there's a green and an orange, and then an olive is like a a third. No, the between? the green is the uh, olive. Oh, okay. I got it. It, it just sounds cooler. Yeah, no, I, I liked I liked oh, no, the wait a minute. descriptive term. No, someone olive, else says it's right? olive instead of it, green. Actually, but wait, wait, wait. Maybe it's an olive instead of green. I don't know. Maybe there's not that much difference between olive and green, but there's definitely a difference between olive and orange. Right. Um, so it's actually cool because uh, uh, my brother, uh, who's who's an artist, um, not Lobart, but a different one, the same one who made fun of me uh, before. But my tricksy food. Uh, he once did a painting of Bosk, and uh, and he sort of showed me. You know, he's a, an amazing painter, and he like he picked out the color. He, like he says, the the color you don't understand about Bosk is it's just green, 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 green. You know, you think it's kind of yellow or kind of tan or kind of red, but the amount of green he put into this painting, and I thought, oh, he's putting too much green, and then there it was. Huh. So yeah, something to it then. So li little known, my brother was making an olive head bosk. Uh, <laughs> so that's the first term. Uh, okay. The next term, Steve, is pretty easy. A thirty-one back. Right. So that's the uh, the new Empire characters on their on their new card. Yeah, I think it's a pretty important back. So it's unlikely that people listening don't know what a twelve back is. Um, but you know, thirty-one backs is the the first set of toys from a new movie. Right. And do you know why it's particularly important with Bosk, Steve? Say again? Do you know why it's particularly important with Bosk? No, let's, let's hear it. Oh, well, um, <laughs> the reason that – because Bosk is very rare on a 31 back. Oh, no, oh that's right. Yeah. You know, so, that, that, I think we may have mentioned that a long time ago. That, we, that rings a bell now. We might have. Like uh, the first episode. Yeah. Yeah, well, because, okay. because they only made a 31 back – for a short period of time because they were right. just holding back Yoda so everyone could not have the, the surprise ruined by the toy like the surprise was ruined for me when I saw that Count Dooku was Darth Tyrannical, you know. Oh, boy. Um, but that's a whole other thing. I see how I try to save it by trying to sound cool by not saying yes, his real yeah, name, which I, is Darth I, I, Tyrannus. I could sense the deliberation in that. Yeah, but I'm, Sorry, I'm, calling, myself, I, I'm calling myself out on that. Uh, I could actually probably quote every single line of Darth Tyrannus is from that entire movie. <laughs> Good news, my lord. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so they, they kept that a secret. So the 31 backs were made in, it seems to be, much sort of qu quantities and especially right. for Bosk. Right, because he was the uh, the first Empire figure, right? He was the mail away, the secret. Right, he was the secret. So that's at least my, my theory, uh, which most people agree with. So maybe it was someone else's theory, and I'm saying it's my theory. Um, but that the reason that he was made in less quantity is because so many people had sent away for their secret Star Wars figure from the 21 back offer, um, which, uh, which I think is a pretty good theory. So the 31 back is particularly important when it comes to Bosk. Right. 
Um, and then finally, Steve, we are going to have to have a cliffhanger. Ooh. Because I was talking a little bit earlier about what is up with how Bosk dresses. <laughs> right. The spacesuit conundrum. The, the spacesuit conundrum. Now, I was under the assumption for a long time that the good people of Argentina had solved this problem with their bootlegs uh, made by a company called um, Pedro, no, Plastico Pedro Luca. Right. Which is called PPL. And that's the third vocab word, PPL. But I remember very distinctly hearing that there's something fishy about the PPL bootlegs. There's mm. something not quite right. And I asked Joe, I, I, I threw a pebble at his window. Uh, he has yet to open up and say, why don't you throw a brick? So I'm waiting for his answer. I contacted okay. uh, John Alvarez. Uh, he has yet to respond to me. I put out a, a bigger message to a bunch of other people. They had yet to respond to me. So this is going to have to be a little bit of a, of a cliffhanger. But I'm going to show you the picture anyway in the show notes. Okay. Because um, the theory is, in the write-up that John Alvarez made on the archive, um, uh, you know, he describes it as just being sort of generic space figures. Uh, there's like a Vader, a Luke, and a Han, but then there's also a Bosk. And what's so cool is that Bosk is wearing a helmet. Um, right. And he's actually very much like a Fisher-Price space person. Um, hmm. But it's very clearly his head. Have you seen this, yeah. Steve? You know, I think I've seen it a while back. I've, I've definitely seen John's article. Um, right. But yeah. But... Uh, Again, it's very possible that these are all fake, mm -hmm. that none of them are fake. I don't know, Steve. Do you know, do you know when people can find out? Next month, maybe? That's right. <laughs> Episode 37 of the Catcast Vintage Pod. We're going to have a, a follow-up on the veracity of the uh, Plasticos Pedro Luca uh, bootlegs. Uh, because there apparently has been some fishy dealings going on in Argentina. Good. Right, Steve? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, we are excited for... Initially, this was going to be a non-polyvocal show, Steve. But we have uh, secured the vocal talents of someone you may have all heard last month. That's right. Uh, so we're going to talk to Ron Salvatore. Tis a nugget. From the archive. Yep, can you hear me? Yep. Tis a nugget. Hello. Hey, Ron. Hey, Sky and Steve. What's up? Not too much. Yeah, we're uh, just kind of plowing through the episode here. Not quite as exciting oh, yeah? as last month, but. <laughs> How's it going so far? Oh, it's going all right. It'll, it'll sound better in post. We may have to re record the intro. We sound a little sleepy, but. Uh... Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is like a regular occurrence, man. I was just on a little while ago, and now I'm back already. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. You know, we we were just talking, and we were saying that all we were going to do was read your writing anyway. So, might as well have you say it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's great. I guess I can read it. I hadn't looked at that post for a while, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I I'm, I'm thinking. You know, we should probably uh, should we go big to small or small to big, Steve? Should we start with the cap two or with the with the hard copy? I'd say let, let's start with the cap two. Okay. Oh man, I don't know how I think I have that one pulled up. Hold on. All right. Well, that's fine. We can uh, we can talk while you're bringing that together, um, because uh, this I hadn't. I don't think I'd ever actually read your your cap two write up. So I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I posted it in like 
God, 2000 or something like that. <laughs> right. Uh, well, well, I can read the catalog description before we get to your uh, before your description. Okay. Crawling, climbing, flying, mini rigs go almost anywhere. The new Cap 2, Captivator, is used by the spies of the Empire to capture rebel prisoners. The rotating legs are fitted with suction cups that stick to smooth surfaces. It can even hide under tables. Wait, really? That's awesome. Okay. Its rotating arms feature a claw and a hook that carry action figures and capture unsuspecting rebels. Cap 2 is remotely operated spring-loaded claws. Devilish! <laughs> At least you know now that it can hide under tables. Because yeah, before, yeah, I didn't know. I've never played with a cap two before. That. Have you ever done that, Ron? You ever you ever put I a cap think two? Most people have played with the cap two or any of them. <laughs> really, it just kind of like exists to stay in their boxes and you know be sold at toy shows or something. Well, 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 that got me to the point of maybe wanting to buy one of these. But mm. but Ron, why don't you take us home with your with your uh, vintage description here? Okay, I haven't practiced this, and uh, this oh. is an old post, so, gosh, it's very old. <laughs> okay, we'll just be sitting here laughing, and you just read it. <laughs> All right. Released in 1982, along with the, is it the INT-4 or the INT-4? Let's <laughs> call it the INT-4. INT-4, the CAP-2, short for Captivator, was yet another weird-looking mini-rig. It was also the personal vehicle of Bosk, the single greatest iguana bounty hunter in the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> with this vehicle at his... On his side, Bosk ravaged the galaxy, picking up rebels such as the unfortunate rebel commander depicted on the vehicle's box and delivering them to Darth Vader, Jabba the Hutt, or some other evil Star Wars maniac. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Cap-2 couldn't solve Bosk's greatest professional problem, his inability to bend his long, scaly iguana arms. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the Cap-2. It's got a cool mechanical vibe to it, and its aesthetic seems derived from sci-fi films and literature of the early 20th, earlier 20th century. I also like the fact that it's Bosk's personal vehicle. It's just incredibly unfortunate that Kenner never made their plan to it never released Ugnot Car. <laughs> right, now that, that's a joke, right? There's no Ugnot Car, right, Ron? <laughs> I wish there was an Ugnot Car. Uh, um, okay, well, well, you know what, Ron? We actually have some pretty talented people who, who listen to this show. Uh, so if someone wants to draw up an Ugnot Car, like like a, a mini rig, a fake mini rig Ugnot car. We we got to see it. Well, uh, maybe Kenner prototyped one because I do have a C-3PO's tr – I mean a Riggs trinoculars. And if they made a Riggs trinoculars, <laughs> then surely true. someone must have made an Ugnot car. Oh, uh, it's got to be. Well, anyway, so the end of it says a few different versions of the Cap 2 box can be found. The most significant is a special offer issue that bears a yellow sticker on its reverse and comes with a free figure. The figure, of course, is Bosk. <laughs> An ESB edition was also issued with a printed $1 rebate offer. Then, in 1983, it was reissued in Return of the Jedi box. Woo! Yeah, yeah nice. nicely done, Ron. Excellent, right? Very well, excellent. What wonderful dramatic uh, reading. I, I just like the way he described his long, scaly iguana arms. Well, it's true. I mean, one of the weird things about Bosk is those long arms, I always thought, and it's, it's awkward for him to... Like his rifle flips right into his uh, little arm there, but nothing else would really fit in there. Right, yeah. It would be funny, like, seeing, uh, you know, him and uh, Hammerhead, like, sort of <laughs> just the way they just had the super long arms. I think he could be on the on the uh, Albanian basketball team. Yeah, with, uh, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> with Hammerhead. Uh, speaking <laughs> well, even of the, in the movie, like, when they the, the camera kind of pans up when you see him there on the – uh, on the uh, Star Destroyer, he looks like his arms really couldn't bend, kind of like immobile or something. But, yeah. You know, that's always been my impression of Bosk anyway. <laughs> that's why he's so angry. You know, you'd be angry too if you didn't have elbows. He does seem pretty <laughs> angry. But then again, he's a bounty hunter. 
Yep. Uh, and then we can get a little bit more sophisticated, Steve, by uh, getting – we don't do a lot of 3D stuff uh, as far as our nuggets go just because uh, you know we're a little bit less 3D-y than a lot of other people. But the, this is just beautiful, man. The, did you take these pictures, Ron? Uh, the hard copy ones? Yeah. Yeah, I took those a while back. I made a light box so I could take nice pictures of my stuff. So it was pretty good project. You guys should uh, do a little DIY episode one time and teach people how to make a light box and take nice photos of their stuff. Wow. Something that collectors should do. I like that you've just volunteered yourself for that project, Ron. That's excellent. <laughs> I, will, I will definitely uh, do that. You do I it. I made a little uh, photographic book when I made. I took nice pictures and then like made one of those Apple photo- photography books. Oh, cool! I have like a little collection book, which is a cool project for collectors if they ever want to. Yeah, I've I've seen many of those and uh, and always thought they just they just look really awesome and it's a it's it's a, it's a good idea. So then, uh, what what is this uh, this thing that we're looking at, Ron? Uh, it is a hard copy of the Bosque figure um, that I kind of put together from a couple of different sources. Um, you know, I guess, I'm not sure you guys pretty much know what hard copies are, I assume, but it's kind of like the pre-tooling three-dimensional prototype of a figure made from poured resin out of silicon molds. Uh, the molds would be made right from the sculpt, so... And uh, the figure I have is, is made from, it's unusual in that it's brown carbolon material and also has black arms, and it's kind of unusual to find. Yeah, it's really, in the really black cool color. colored. So so you didn't just find this in one piece, you found it in more than one? or how, It came in a couple, I want to say I had the arms from somebody. Okay. And then I got the rest of it from another find. So I was, you know, one of those lucked out situations where you get uh, parts from a figure from two different sources. And I paid more than I wanted to for the the parts to complete it, but I figured, you know, it was worth it to have the complete figure because it would be fairly valuable once it was all put together. And and you saved it from Yehuda's Chamber of Horrors. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm not sure what that is, but yeah, it's definitely never been to any Chamber of Horrors and certainly not one that Yehuda runs. Well, just, you know, Yehuda's famous for only collecting, you know, very valuable body parts. parts. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. no. That hasn't happened to me yet. Um, So so he would have bought the arms and you never would have seen him and they would have sat in his basement. He would have just sat there. like the Gollum of hard copies or something? Like hoarding them in his little cave? I think he is, yeah. (laughs) But not the actual thing, you know, just the, you know, just, ah, here it is. It's, you know, (laughs) it's Bib Fortuna's nipple ring. I've got it. <laughs> You'll never get it from me. Yeah, um, but actually, I have. I don't have a figure. The figure right now because I sent it off to uh, the infamous Chris G to help him authenticate some of those fake card copies or deauthenticate uh, some of those fake card copies, and I haven't received it back yet. But I do still. Okay. I do, do still technically own it. So I should right. get it back at some point. Yeah, as long as Chris knows that. Um, right. Yeah. Wait, so, so that's cool. So then there was the the whole scandal of the fake hard copies that were that were made. Uh, yeah, was it, Chris used ago? it to um, compare with some of those other ones that turned up, and you know, I guess he, it helped him to determine that they were bogus wow. because I don't remember they had different details or the color under a black light was different or something like that. Wow, you see, see, this is you never know what you're going to get when you talk to someone who knows mm-hmm. a little bit about toys. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, you see yeah, that. So it's it's kind of been around, but um, the hard copy is 
if you collected if you've collected hard copies or parts of hard copies, you know that sometimes you get ones that are like obviously intended for a completed hard copy, and sometimes you get ones that are just kind of like waste, you know, that were never really completed. They have bubbles in them and stuff, and like so some of the parts on mine look like they were just kind of garbage casts. Huh. And actually, when I got the legs, for instance, there was a lot of flash around the legs that was never trimmed off, like the excess resin from the mold. Right. So I kind of cleaned it up and trimmed all that off. But, you know, they are legit parts. I don't, just don't think that they were ever actually used on a completed hard copy. I kind of got them in an unfinished shape. Right. Okay. And it's, it's really cool, too. I like I like seeing the, the sculpt on it, you know, because, like, the, the detail of that weird sort of trilobite-looking thing to the... On the on his right stomach, yeah, you know, like, whatever that is. I mean, I'm not even sure what that is. But. I know we've been talking a lot about Bosk's wardrobe uh, today, uh, Ron. <laughs> talking about why He's got is two it... little mysterious tools in his like straps around his legs too, and I have no idea. They're like sex toys or hairbrushes <laughs> or bolts or something. I'm not it, sure it, it goes a bit for Tuna's nipple rings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everything about him. That, that's my question: is who didn't ask Bosk? Are you really wearing that when you go out tonight? Because you can't have a spacesuit without a space helmet. He doesn't have one of those, and he's got these yeah. weird bubbles and just bumps in his in his uh, spacesuit. And... And maybe he beat up like a rebel pilot and stole his spacesuit. It's just like just a war emblem yeah. or something. <laughs> And actually, he's he, wearing it to humiliate those wimpy X-wing pilots. Yeah, <laughs> or B-wing pilots. I mean, yeah. it's most yes, likely yes. that. Uh, Steve, you don't you don't need to humiliate a B-wing pilot. Yeah. It's yeah. it's already done. Like straight, <laughs> it's, it's it's gilding the lily, we call it. But <laughs> the other thing I was thinking about with his arms, uh, you know, maybe that's actually a regular sized flight suit, but just his arms are so long. That's how much <laughs> sticks out. Like, you know, if you're if you're uh, if you know a fairly tall guy, like it's really hard to get a, a shirt where you're you know your uh, wrists aren't completely showing. So you know, yeah. maybe that's actually just a regular thing. He's just got those those freaky arms. Well, his arms, whatever those things are attached to his legs, his arms come down right to those things. So maybe they're like weapons, like ninja stars that he can just whip them out when he wants to and, and kill people with them. Yeah. He doesn't even have to, like, bend, you know? You right. <laughs> kind of take him out like a gunslinger does a, a six-shooter. Right. Yeah, awesome. Well, also in here, because I guess you're getting too shy to read yourself, uh, I, I do really like how you uh, how you refer to uh, Bosk's importance. Uh, the character... Oh, should I read this, or Sure. What? It starts with, the character has... Um, I thought it was a good description. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I read this whole thing or what? Yeah, just or... start it with the character has. Oh, okay. The character has approximately... Sorry, let me start again. The character has approximately two seconds of screen time in the movie and looks like a sleaze stack, but Star Wars collectors <laughs> love him anyway. This is because he's a bounty hunter and Star Wars collectors are nerdy enough to think bounty hunters are cool. That's very true. Because <laughs> he does look like a sleaze stack and everyone knows sleaze stacks <laughs> are the lamest things in the world. And but just his status as being a bounty hunter. So I think we're on. We're, we're going to return to this, and we're going to really pose the question throughout the next couple of weeks and months and years: mm-hmm. Are bounty hunters actually cool? <laughs> I don't know. I can always remember being the contrarian that I am as a kid, always wondering why, like the bounty hunters that you know were always the most popular characters among kids at school or whatever, and always just thinking like hardly have anything to do with the movie. You know, they show up in, like, one scene. Right. And it just always seemed kind of overstated to me, but, uh, like, kind of the super fanboy love affair, but I don't know. 
Yeah, well, that that's there's our, like, our compared to B wing pilot, they're cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, Ron, <laughs> that's just going too far. You got to be nice to Steve. Come on, we don't make fun of the B wing pilot on this. Oh wait, sorry. Uh, awesome, cool. Well, yeah, that's uh, wow, Steve. Yeah, it's it is funny how much better our show gets when we have other people on it. Yeah, it's, it's the absolute truth. Yeah, uh, but I'm glad you guys are doing Bosk because you know he needs to have attention paid to him. He does, and especially Boba the Tech gets all the attention. He does, especially the cap too. I, I'm now officially, I officially want one. Like, I that want. That is Bosk's vehicle, man. It and, is. You know. It is. If there's anyone out there who has an extra, you know, cap two, just let me know. Just you know, out of box. But I want to like get it and you know, pl- stick it under my table. That sounds they so cool. Do an Empire Strikes Back special edition, where like after the scene where Bosk's in, like his big moment where he grunts at that Imperial guy. <laughs> right. like, the camera should pan over. And you should see the cat too, like just sitting there parked on the side. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just jumps in it. Maybe he has like a little like flying robot, like and like right next to it is an Ugnot car. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Ugnot car. Uh. <laughs> Maybe call like the the UG like the UGX or something like that. Yeah, see, you have to you have to have the uh, yeah the acronym. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. It has like a pig snout on the front. Uh. <laughs> Uh, awesome, Ron. Well, uh, I think we'll uh, we'll get back to recording the rest of our show. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks, for coming, thanks on. for coming back on. Right, and, talk uh, to you guys soon. All right, sounds good. Bye. Bye. You don't hate only the unloved hate. I don't know, Steve. We, we almost cheated there. We almost had an unloved item and a nugget from the archive. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a, a fine line, but I, I think we pulled it off. Okay. Well, I think the reason we pulled it off is because in many ways, those write-ups are a nugget. And, yeah. and to be honest, the way that it said at the very end of the Sears catalog, devilish. Like, it really does say that. Like, I didn't yeah. come up with that. No, um, no, it's, it's <laughs> which is it is just great because that that kind of editorializing is uh, is really fun. Yeah. Um, and also, what was the cap one? Uh, see, that's a good question. I mean, who who was whose ride was that? Yeah, uh, that could be the Ugnot car. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's. I I love what you've picked out for unloved items. Um, okay. And I love them even more than than the cap two. Part of the reason I love them is that we got them from the archive, and there's very little on them. So let's get to our uh, our uh, our cool uh, unloved items. So, Steve, how did you frame these for me? All right. So uh, I was thinking about it. It's it's Christmas time. It's Hanukkah time. It's it's gift getting time for kids. And uh, I'm just thinking of kids in the '80s where they have seen the TV commercials for Star Wars toys. They're probably stoked out of their minds to to be getting some for Christmas. But you know, sometimes when you're you're a kid, you'll get gifts that, you know, they're they're good efforts, but they just really weren't what you were hoping for. Right, like like, hey, it's the thought that counts. No, wait, actually, it's the the thing that counts. I don't want yeah. thoughts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, so you know, for the five to eight, ten year old kid, I don't think they're really going to want a Luke Skywalker belt kit with the. <laughs> no, no, wait, no, wait. That sounds cool. If you said to me, Sky, would you like a Luke Skywalker belt kit? I'd think, okay, it's going to have a lightsaber. It's going to have a gun. It's going to have a grappling hook. This is going to be awesome. See, we're starting to get into that dangerous territory where you're going to be deceived again. So if you oh, need no. to step back, just it hold on. Me. 
Um, but what the actual item is, is a nice little, uh, dop kit with Luke's soap, shampoo, bubble bath, and an orange comb. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, one of those great items posted by Duncan Jenkins. Um, and it's from 1983, from Omni Cosmetics, which just, I mean, it's thrilling. I mean, just think of ripping this thing open and, ah. Uh, here you go, Sonny. I know you like the Stars Wars. Here exactly. it is. It's your Luke Sky person. <laughs> it is pretty cool though, the orange soap with the with the X Wing in it. Yeah, no, it it's I mean, taken taken at this level from, you know, twenty two thousand twelve, looking at it uh, as an adult, it, it's it's pretty neat. But uh, I just uh, man, if I got this when I was like seven, I would be really I mean, I'd be bummed. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, well, well, you'll have to let us know in a couple of years if you get it. I know. Um, <laughs> and actually, I'd be thrilled now. <laughs> no, the, the joke is that you're not seven yet. Oh, right, right. right. It's hilarious, right? Yes, it's very funny. You know, it never gets old. No. Uh, uh, much like you, it never gets, uh, <laughs> never gets old. It's just uh, compounding on itself. It is. Um, yeah, but that, that's just an awesome item. I think, you know, if anyone has one of these, could you please let us know? Because uh, I'm curious to see if on the back there's any cool writing. Um, yeah. Have we ever talked to, jo- to Duncan on the show? No, we never had him on. I, that would be a really good thing to do. Are you serious, Steve? I'm. I'm pretty. We've had Gus, but not not Duncan. Huh. That sounds like that's an oversight. Probably mostly on my part. All right, I'll have to fix that. Yeah. Um, might be fun just to have him just talk about bath care because he's the person who, of course, came up with the space freak text. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, so that there's your first item of Christmas disappointment. And for the next one, uh, we're going to have to go to another country far, far away. That's right. Going to Spain. Um, this is, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, this must be the, the company, uh, I don't know, it's Cheeky Diana. <laughs> oh, Cheeky Diana. Yep, that's the brand. <laughs> okay, that's uh <laughs> It's a Droids R2 and 3PO fuzzy dartboard. Um, yes. From 1985, so this is a little bit further down the line, maybe when they were really pulling for straws. Um, but uh, this thing, I just, I don't know. It just seems like one of those other, you know, that you just see it the last minute Christmas gift, like, oh yeah, it's Star Wars, we'll just grab that. Yeah. And, and that'll be. <laughs> yeah, the kid likes Star Trek, let's get this. Yeah, but uh, it, I mean, <laughs> looking at it, it's it's really funky, um, but awesome at the same time. I, I just I just couldn't see compared to like, you know, a snow speeder or or something like that. This right. this just wouldn't be nearly as exciting on Christmas morning. But you know, you never know. But um, well, it's, there's a lot of cool things about it. I think we've never had James Gallo on here either. No, we did have him on, right? Uh, I don't think so. Well, anyways, he he collects a lot of the Spain stuff. So the Droids cartoon was way more popular in Spain right, and right. in Brazil. And this is just proof of it. This is a really cool item yeah. as an adult because uh, you know it's made in Spain. Right. So th- that's really cool. You know when you know that they just there was such a need for a fuzzy dartboard with with C three PO and R two D two that uh, yeah. actually looks like the company's name is Medena. I don't. Yeah, know, right, right. I don't know what cheeky Diana means. Uh, if no, you know what ch- cheeky Diana means, please uh, let us know. Porque no sabemos. Did you notice the little yellow label? And I, I, if I'm reading it right, it just says "inoffensiva." And I don't no. know. If, 
It I does mean, say that. I mean, I guess it's not really a, an offensive uh, fuzzy dartboard, um, but... Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not fluent in, in Spanish, so... Oh, Star uh, Wars, you are the best. Inoffensiva. <laughs> it's like, maybe they, you know what, maybe they made one that was offensiva. I mean, it's, it's it, it kind of made me like, think of the whole flame-retarded thing. From <laughs> exactly. The show. I mean, I really don't know what that means. But, right. Uh, well, again, if you are completely uh, fluent in Spanish, let us know. And uh, speaking of toys that trick you, Steve, have you ever played with a fuzzy dartboard? <laughs> not not a Star Wars one, but I have played one with much disappointment because they didn't really seem to stick. Yeah, they never stick. They yeah. never stick. And if they do no. stick, then it's imp they're impossible to take off. Yeah, see, that so. that was kind of like my line of thinking with this. It's, like it, it's something that even if you open it up and try to use it, it just doesn't really right. give you much. But as a piece of pop art, it's wonderful. It's Excellent. Yeah. Now, Steve, we're never gonna, we're never going to run out of unloved items. No. I mean, no. that was two, and they just—it's so great. What an awesome hobby we have. Oh, wow. I mean, just when I mean, you think about all of the unloved items, they're just so. Ah, uh, I want one of these. Okay, put yeah. it on the list. I need a cap two and a cheeky Diana, <laughs> and a, and a dop kit. Um. Oh, maybe that could be like a, a vintage party thing in the future. Like we could all take like vintage bubble baths. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> or we could drink vintage bubble bath. Well, then. Right, I'm going off the rails. Cautious, maybe. Yep, I'm, I'm going off the rails. Uh, so why don't we? What's left, Steve? This has been going by pretty quickly. Yeah, we've, we've been doing all right, plugging along. We got uh, some markets to be watched. Um, oh yeah, we got a super duper mega market watch. It is a mega, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, why don't we uh, hit the one dollar blix market watch? One dollar blix market watch. If you're like me, you think the market watch is too long. So feel free to fast forward to the end of the segment at 141.30. I'll see you there. All right. Well, last month, it definitely didn't feel right not having the Brisbane Brisbane Mike and the Fantastic Pete market watches. No. Um, but boy, have they uh, compensated with a crazy awesome run. Yeah. So should we start with uh, Brisbane or should we start with Pete? Um, I guess. Why don't we, why don't we, we keep the Bosque thing going? Let's, let's go with, with Brisbane. Yeah, I think we can like finish up with Bosque. Yeah, we'll, we'll put some closure to that. So what's right. really cool uh, is that he points out that you could have basically completed a Bosque run in a month. Yeah, isn't that? It's just insane. Yeah, and, and really not too much. So... Uh, why don't you think about how much that might cost? Just kind of have that in your in your head and see see what it's going to be. <clears throat> I personally have no idea, so let's let's explore this. <laughs> so he starts okay. off with one of these thirty-one backs that I've been talking about, right? Um, that Brisbane Brisbane Mike himself bought. So I think it should be stricken from the record, but that's okay. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, and he <laughs> bought it for four hundred and ninety-nine dollars. It was an AFA right. eighty. And it looks like a you know really nice figure, and like you were talking about earlier, it's it's got some significance to it. 
Right. And, uh, and you know, I've owned two <laughs> – I've only ever flipped two items. In, this, I've only ever bought two items with the specific purpose of flipping them in my entire collecting. The first one was a, a 31 back Bosque. And the second one was a 31 back Bosque. <laughs> it's the only thing I've ever flipped. The, actually, no, the first one was by mistake. I didn't know. I just thought it looked cool, and I bought it for my my nephew. And then I was offered four hundred dollars for it. <laughs> it was like a beater. And then the second one, I wound up using in a trade. Um, okay. So, uh, but that was actually somebody will tell that story, Steve, because there's a very famous collector who's extremely sketchy, and he was selling one for cheap. But it was very unclear if I would actually get it because he was ah. well known to have turned to the dark side and become a scammer. And mm -hmm. so I was trying to figure out, am I going to be praised by the cosmic collecting deities for my bravery or punished for my greed? <laughs> and, well, ultimately, that wound up being traded for a piece that was ultimately traded for the famous chromalin that is now sitting uh, 10 feet to my right. So I was, I was praised for my initiative, Steve. Deal. Uh, and then he has another 31 back, ungraded, uh, right. and that went for 371. Alright. So that seems to be the gold standard, right? So if you were patient, you could have got the best boss card, you know, domestic boss card out there for 400. Now right. what about a, a, a 32 back, Steve? So when we start getting into the 32s, um, this one went for 222. That was an AFA 80. Um, wow. So you can definitely see the, the, uh, the demand or the, you know, the, I guess the scarcity of those 31 backs when you jump down to the 32s. Right, yeah, because the, it was 500 versus 220. Right. So that seems to be twice as much. And then a 32 back ungraded went for 107. Yep. Um, so that's, that's a pretty good indication that if you want a almost debut card or if you want a, just a beautiful offerless, Empire, offerless yeah. boss card. Because let, let's not shell, let's not sell Bosk short. Let's not shell Bosk short. <laughs> that's a really hard thing to say. Let's not sell Bosk short. Sell Bosk short. Sell Bosk short. Um, he already, we all know he we all know he wears capris and not shorts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so uh, let's not sell Bosk short. His card back is awesome. You know, it really is. Uh, we we talked about it with Ron about how how uh, they're a little bit over overrated as far as figures go, um, maybe by kids, but just that super low angle where you're looking up at them, uh, and and yeah, it's it's a great card back. So knowing that you could get one in AFA eighty for two hundred and twenty, or ungraded Steve for how much? Let's see, ungraded. Wow. Whoa, is that true? Yeah. 107 wow. bucks. 107 bucks. Not bad. Yeah. So, again, a, a near rookie card, and it's a much nicer. You know, it's kind of, yeah. It's, uh, and it's not in bad condition either. You know, it's not no. perfect, but it's definitely displayable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the picture actually makes it look worse than it probably is. Yeah. It's funny how that, that works sometimes. Um, let's see. So, I guess so. We got next, we got some. 41 backs, a 41B that was AFA 75 for 128, so, so not much difference there. Right, so again, that's offerless. Offerless, yep. Um, and then another, this is a 41 back with the survival kit, uh, went for about 80 bucks, um, so not, not too bad. Yeah, and that, that 41B is actually, that, that's, that's a nice looking that's, card, even though it's it is. AFA really nice. 75, it's... Uh, 
It's pretty crisp. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We've got a 45 back with a display arena offer for $58. Right. right so. I, I mean, you could really. You could, yeah, you could go to town with Bosk. It's yeah. just crazy. <laughs> yeah, it seems that for a character who is not unpopular, you know. No, not, not in any stretch, really. I mean, he's got to be more popular than, than Forlom and Zuckus. I mean, no offense to, uh, uh, to our, to my, fellow collectors in New York, but, uh, you know, he's definitely the second coolest bounty hunter, right? I mean, maybe IG-88. Is yeah, cool. that's tough. It's a tough call. But we got a lot of good debates coming up, Steve. All right, so where are we at? Um, 48 back. 48, 48, that's the revenge with the Akbar offering that one for 93. I mean, these are all in decent shape, too. And yep. All, all, you know, I guess these later ones are all under 100 bucks. Not too bad. Let's see which. Oh, it's the nine I'm offering. Yep. So that was 125 for an AFA 80. Uh, this is great. He mentions that the listing is funny. That it was <laughs> yeah. listed before August, uh, October 31st, but then he he came in and edited it, saying that Lucasfilm just got sold to Disney. So now all the items he is selling are more valuable, <laughs> which in a perverse way might actually be true. Yeah. Um, but probably not uh, not in the same way. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but for whatever it was, he couldn't get more than one hundred twenty-five dollars, which uh, actually is a pretty good deal for uh, for. I mean, that's cool because you know the the Nian Nub offers are some of the hardest return figures to find, right? And just knowing that you could get a really nice uh, version of one of those for one hundred twenty-five, it's it's reassuring. Yep. So we got an offerless AFA eighty, the clear bubble for one hundred forty-five. Yep, a sixty-five back, another clear bubble. For eighty-one, so it's not AFA, but it's really good condition. A seventy-seven back, ungraded for a hundred and fifty. Yeah, oh, that's in really good condition again too. Seventy-seven back for a hundred and twenty. Huh. Um, so it seems as though the 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 clear bubble on the the Jedi go for a fair number of premium. Yeah. Um, but what's cool too is that uh, Brisbane, Brisbane, um, and uh, Steve. I honestly still don't know the. Someday I will know the real pronunciation and that'll be sad because i'll have to pretend like i don't know but i still don't know to this day i still don't know um <laughs> what if it's actually like brisbane you know like it's, yeah anyways so he also includes uh just some of the really cheap ones you know yeah, really cheap yeah. offers um so there's a 32 back that has a sticker tear and some soiling but it's 23 bucks yeah uh, for a sealed, you know, a sealed, uh, a sealed Bosque figure. Uh, another one on a random ESB card. Um, it sold for fifty bucks on a buy it now auction. Yep. A thirty-four back again, beat up for thirty-four bucks. Yeah. Um, so really, just a ton of good deals for just cheap figures, and you know, that's how I wound up with my first thirty-one back. I just thought, oh, look at this beater, I'll get it, and then someone paid me forty bucks for it. <laughs> Go figure, man. Yeah. And, and, let's see what's crazy too. Do you saw this one that has the four uh, founding hunter figures that sold for 150? So if you want to get that set, I mean that's <laughs> not bad. Oh yeah, that's really cool. So what is it, yeah. Steve? Explain it more to people. Let's see. Hold on. So we got an auction that had a. It's got an IG88, uh, a Zuckus, a uh, Bosk, and a. Uh, Dengar. Dengar, yeah. And uh and it's you know, they're not you know, they're 
moderately looks like conditioned carded figures, and the lot sold for 150. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Huh. Not bad. Yeah, that seems like a really bad way of listing them. <laughs> but oh well. <laughs> Maybe now it might have something to do with it, I guess. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess it, would, it wouldn't be right to not discuss the boss mailer because that was his uh, his genesis, really. So right. AFA 80 sold for 230. Well, that seems pretty high for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I haven't really paid close attention to graded mailers, but um, I mean, it, it does. It, it's crazy. It does look like a little museum piece. It's got the little flyer in there and the, the booklet and the figure. It's it's nice, um, yep. but man, yeah, 230 bucks. Yeah, I've always wondered if I should get one of those because, you know, I have this sort of side focus of 21 backs. Yeah. Uh, Empire 21 backs. It's weird. I, I guess I probably should eventually. Yeah, see, so yeah, I mean, that, that is the, the prize of that, that collection. That yeah, but I'd have, have to get it. Hatred for Trandoshans or whatever. They yeah. But I would I would have to get it, you know, like uh, beat up as well. So it'd have to be yeah. complete but beat up, kind of like the rest okay. of my uh, <laughs> rest of my collection. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, what came up and really confused me was an AFA U ninety olive head for three hundred and fifty three dollars. Steve, I don't what like it. What in the world? What I don't like world? it. So it's a. If it wasn't U graded, I wouldn't care. But someone took – first of all, I don't like that, that there's that big of a distinction between olive head and orange head. I just – I think that's a, a bit overstated, uh, although I accept that it now exists. But just you to you grade it and then to pay – how much, Steve, again? $353. Right. Where for $20 more, you could have got a 31 back non-graded in fair condition. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. But yeah, you know that's what? Pretty rough. Yeah, it's not terrible because if they want, well, actually, it's terrible because they they hurt the card. The price doesn't really bug me. It's more just the idea that it was sold. Right. Uh, but yeah. the main thing is, Steve, we've got to hype up the Market Watch blog more. Um, so again, KiveCastMarketWatch.wordpress.com. But now that we're done doing advertising for KiveCastMarketWatch.blogspot.com, uh, we can do a little bit more advertising, Steve. Uh, and you found this one. Attacking Luke Skywalker's rebel base. Can Luke in his snowspeeder halt the Imperial Walker? Okay, Luke, here we go. Ready? Now! We got it! Will the rebels survive? Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. Oh, man. I There's a lot... Of as I always say, there's a lot of things to like about that commercial. Um, Plenty. If, yeah. if you had a drinking game, that would be the number one thing I say, I think, on this show. More than I say Wampa Wampa is there's a lot of things to like about that commercial. <laughs> I, I like the steady, steady. Steady. You know, like he's quoting the movie but adding in his little funny accent. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but did the uh, Haunted Mansion sounding voiceover guy pronounce it? Adat. Yes, and you know why, Steve? Because <laughs> that is actually the British pronunciation. Ah, so I right, do accept right. that in the Isles, uh, in the land where the sun never sets, um, you know, that... Wait, yeah, that's the kingdom where the sun never sets, and then Japan's the kingdom of the rising sun, right? Right, right. Right. <laughs> and America's the empire that never called itself an empire. 
right? Right. That's how the history books look at it. Okay. Um, political talk with Sky and Steve. So uh, I do accept entirely that the ATAT is called in other English-speaking parts of the world the AT-AT. But okay. the real domestic American pronunciation, <laughs> which is correct only insofar as that it is an American product, okay? Like I accept that it's pronounced Dr. Ooh and dot, not Dr. Who. You know, it's just – it's a British thing. That's what they call it. I know it's Downton Abbey and not Downtown Abbey, you know. But if there was an American commercial, they would call it Downtown Abbey. You know what I'm saying, Steve? Uh, right? They would call it like, you know, Monty Python, you know, not not Monty Python, you know, which is how they would pronounce it there. So, yes, they did say that. <laughs> uh, did I go too far, Steve? No, no. I'd say I'd say you went just to the to the edge, Good. but not over. Because that, that's the other thing I say in every episode. Did I go too far, Steve? <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll get more to that in the feedback, because I think I have to be a little bit contrite about my musings on the Jurassic Park three. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, cause let's get to our second part of the Market yeah. Watch with Fantastic Pete. All right. And uh, we're going to skip over his IG eighty eight piece because we'll talk about that next month. Okay. Um, but he does talk about a pretty interesting uh, four-pack, uh, which is an Italian four-pack. Right. Um, we've talked about these a little bit before, but basically they just took figures and stapled them together. With a little sleeve, yeah. With a little sleeve. And you know, it says, Oferta speciale per i collezionisti, is what it says. And they appear to be uh, all tri-logo cards. Nice, uh, nice delivery, I have to say. Oh, thank you. Yes, I, I, that is one sentence I know in Italian. The other one I know is, "Io non ricordo il mio collo essendo così sporco," which means uh-huh. I do not recall my neck being so filthy. Have uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I gone too far, Steve? Uh, so, all right, so all right, we're there. It's all right. We're there. So yeah, so they're all, they're all. Uh, I've never actually seen the back of a four pack. Um, but they're really cool seeing all the all the tri logo stickers there, and yeah. and uh, as always, my favorite part of any randomly assorted multi pack is just trying to create a story for them. Oh yeah. So what is an Imperial Commander, uh, Princess Leia on Hoth, Darth Vader, and I don't know Tebow? Which pa- one? Paplu. Paplu. <laughs> what what are they all doing together? Uh, that's uh, that's a pretty good story. And how much did that sell for, Steve? That was for uh, 1150 Yeah, that's nice. And I think that's really uh, uh, a fair price and the kind of thing where I bet that could actually sell for a lot more just because it's got Vader in there. Yeah. Nothing else. Uh, then another item that's almost unloved. Uh, a, yeah. A set of latch hook kits. These things are pretty cool, I have to say. Yeah, they're outstanding. Um, I've really always wanted a, a Chewbacca one, but actually, yeah. no, I was offered one and I was too cheap to buy it and I was stupid because these things are great. Have you ever made a latch hook, Steve? I have not. Now, actually the same, the same, very same house in, uh, New London, actually Wilmot Flat, New Hampshire, um, where I used to spend my summers with my godmother where I would drink tab and pour sugar into it. Uh, she was also something of a crafty person, so okay. uh, she let me make a, a latch hook rug once, and the feeling of accomplishment I felt was amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's definitely on my goal to get uh, two latch hook rug sets. You know, one 
so you can actually bring it to, to life. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's just great. Um, yeah. She also lived down the street from Tommy DePolo, the, the artist. So I remember visiting his house. That was pretty special. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and also f- uh, fishing for crawfish. I don't think there's any crawfish in New Hampshire, so I never caught any. Um, yeah, so these these sold for seven hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, and that seems like a really good deal. That seems like you could make your money back on that. Um, so yeah, and they're they're just great pieces. And yeah, you don't you don't see there's them. There's two R2s. I, I didn't I didn't realize there were two of them from that series. Yeah, I guess he's just that popular. Yeah, um, but it's neat because you can see the the shading. On the one where he's at a certain angle, you can tell yeah. a certain amount of pride and, and care went into that. Yeah. That's um, cool. Yeah. And uh, there's also, for our, our uh, neighbors to the north, a mm-hmm. Star Wars uh, Return of the Jedi Transition Luke card. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, went to one of those transition cards with the sticker on there with the Return of the Jedi logo, and that sold for 700 This one looks pretty nice. Yeah, how'd that sell for so low, Steve? Eh, good question. I don't know. It's weird. You know, it sold through uh, you know through Tom Derby's place. You know the right collectible insurance brokerage, and those things are really rare. Yeah, it's in really good and condition. It's, it's Luke, I mean, it's the main character too. It's, it's so. Luke Hoth. So you've you've got the kind of double you know Canadians like Hoth stuff. Um, at least they should. <laughs> they do, right? Isn't there a Hoth bias in Canada? I, I don't know. We should uh, get some <laughs> feedback. On but I that. expect there's like a you know a Tuscan and a Jawa bias in you know Arizona. I was gonna say in Arizona or New Mexico. Or, yeah, I don't know. or regular Mexico. Yeah, I guess. Oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have I gone too far, Steve? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a butte. That seems really cheap to me. But uh, well, good for whoever it is that bought it. Yeah. Um, let's see. We got another interesting. Uh, it's a Meccano, a Return of the Jedi. That looks like an air, a, an error card. It has a Luke Jedi packed with a, a Yan Solo. Now, I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and say this is not an error card. Okay. Because I've seen a lot of this error. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and actually, I, I'm too lazy to go upstairs and get uh, uh, Stefan's book. But oh, I actually, I actually own one of these. Um, oh, just this exact, this exact. Wait a minute, is this mine? Uh oh. <laughs> wow, that looks exactly like mine, huh? Because mine's all beat up too. Although it's very clearly uh, been touched up with, looks like with glue. Mine has. Uh. But, uh, anyways, yeah. Um, so it's definitely weird and rare. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, it's, there are, I have there seen multiple of this weird kind of repack and I think they just must have not made that many of the, of the card they're looking for. So, okay. All right. Yeah. I'll have to look more into this to see if this is mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, this it looks like this one has a, a crack on the top of the bubble. Yeah. Does yours have a crack? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in terrible shape. Mm. Um, interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess this one sold for three fifty five. Yeah. Boy, I hope I didn't sell mine. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, well. Anyways. Uh, and then there's um, another really high-priced item. Oh, but, this thing. I love it. Yeah, this is something where I've never seen it. Um, 
and it's uh, another display stand. And I'm curious if any of the of our great uh, display friends bought one of it. Although I guess they probably already own it. Um, but it's just for the laser rifle and laser pistol. Yeah. And uh, Steve, there are so many things to like about this piece. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the thing I definitely love is that it's got Luke and Han and they're doing and they're shooting and it has the sound. What is the sound, Steve? Z, Z, Z is what it's what it says. Oh, it's just great. And then you see it's reversible, so they put them on the other side where they just flipped them on on the yeah. They just flipped the image. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, when I was at Rancho Obi Wan, I noticed one of these as I was leaving. Because I was, I mean, there's stuff stacked to the to the roof of this place. And I was going up the stairs, and I just kind of took one last look out, and I saw this display poking out from behind, and I I had to go get a picture of it, and that was the first time I'd seen it. Really? But man, three in the, the price on this is uh, that's, oof. wow, three, that's awesome. Three thousand and fifty dollars. Yeah. But it's oh, out of all displays, this is just oh, it's perfect for for just that that funkiness, and it's really it's really well done, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. It uh, almost seems not Kenner esque. Something about yeah, it. Yeah, it's it just like colorful. slightly slightly detached, I, I think. But, yeah, but actually, it somehow makes it a little bit more interesting. Yep. Awesome, Steve. Well, I think we can uh, segui that into. Uh, Speaking of things that fooled me, I never understood the word segue. When I when I would read it, I would think, "What does seg mean?" And then I would say segue all the time. I didn't understand the two things didn't go together. Uh, same thing with misogyny, which I didn't know was misogyny. Uh, but uh, there's no way to segue from misogyny into feedback. So let's just do it anyway, Steve. Okay. Here at the Kivecast, we really do care. You can email us at. Kivecast at gmail.com. You can call us at our special Wampa line. That's P O K U T Wampa or 1765 889 2672. Twitter us at Kivecast or join us up on our Facebook page. We really do care. Cool. So, feedback, Steve. Uh, You know, like I said at the top of the show, maybe. Last episode was very well received. Yeah. And I think it's really just fun. And I think we're going to do more like that in the future. Um, if you are interested in being on something like that and talking about that, you don't have to be uh, Chris Joglius or Gus Lopez to, to kind of come on and chat. You know, send us an email, kivecast at gmail.com. Um, what's that email again, Steve? Kivecast at gmail.com. Or just send me an email or, or back not answering my private messages again steve uh-oh but uh yeah several people said it was the best episode ever and i don't know how to take that steve i think i'll take it well but uh part of it's hard let's, let's stay on the, the positive <laughs> yep uh Malster said that he has his own uh shadows of the empire gripe he says he turned down a, a posh vader uh moc and opted for dash vendor's outrider vehicle <laughs> oh man so that, that's pretty good they're a lot harder to come by than uh, the Outrider. 
But uh, a couple of people have said that they liked the Shadows of the Empire talk. Um, yeah. So I think you know, we kind of keep that as a fun thing because no one else is going to talk about it um, until uh, until Larry Kasdan writes Shizor into the next movie. <laughs> Um, and definitely my favorite thing from last month has to be from the Gallery de Jahud. Oh, man. It was just a gem. So um, he, he, yeah, explain it to you. Yeah, he's basically made a, a poster for Episode 7 based on uh, all of our roundtable guests' uh, characters that they'd like to see resurrected. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, got, uh, it's got Panaka and Windu and... Nianum and uh, the Dianoga. Of That's course. right. Um, it, it's just oh, so. It's so classic. we're going to work on our own radio play or something based on that, uh, based on these uh, six characters and how they go together. Um, <laughs> this is what I have so far, Steve. All right. Lumpy and Kea Mall are a team, and they have kind of a will they or won't they sort of vibe. Like you ever seen Bones? Like that. <laughs> or, or castle. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess. Or, or if you're not a seven-year-old woman, some other show. Um, <laughs> and then I think that Nian Nub should be like the galactic ruler. You know, he should be the new republic. Yeah. Um, and then I love the idea of of Panaka becoming a drunk because he was replaced by um, Captain Typho. Uh, I almost said Captain Typhoid to pretend like I didn't know who he was replaced by, but I know it's Captain Typho. <laughs> Um, so I love the idea of him just like feeling rejected and just hanging out at this bar and then just this crashing thing comes down and there's Mace Windu and he's hanging out and then, uh, I don't know where to put Dainoga in there, but I call him the Dark Lord of the Dong Eye, um, yeah. which is like the Sith, but they're a little bit different. I'd say maybe a little more than a little more. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, if you have any ideas, let us know and, and we're going to work. By the time of episode seven, we want to have a full fleshed out episode seven vintage pod style. Oh man. Um, and also I wanted to say, uh, I hope that I didn't come across as homophobic last month, Steve. Right. I don't think I did, but I hope not because my point about Jurassic Park three, not to get back to this, but it is an honest point. Like I do honestly believe that there's some subversive, uh, homoeroticism in Jurassic Park three. Um, and that is uh, kind of funny that such a serious thing would be in a silly movie, but I hope it didn't come across as, uh, you know, like I was laughing at homosexuality itself, you know. And uh, see, one of my favorite uh, things was from Isaac Liu, uh, who may be able to explain to us uh, the, uh, the, the Spanish, because he's definitely bilingual. Yeah. Um, but he says he doesn't usually have time to listen, but uh, after hearing that episode, he's going to try to from now on, saying he really enjoyed it. So Good. that's great because he's an actual editor on the archive. And uh, as I, one of the lines I cut out of last, last month's episode was, I never expect anybody to listen. <laughs> but <laughs> what I mean is, I don't expect, you know, I, don't, I never know who's listening. So it's great to know he's listening. Yeah. And then finally, my favorite suggestion of the month. Uh, <laughs> this was, it was pointed out to us that we've already covered cricket and there's no baseball. Right. So the idea was, why not cover rugby? <laughs> so, Steve, I've just sent you uh, a list of uh, people who are a part of the Heineken Cup. Hey, I like the sound of that. Hey, I don't know what the Heineken Cup is. 
I don't know if this goes on for months. I don't know if these are the best teams in the world or the worst teams. I don't know if this is like the equivalent of the World Cup or if it's just a toss-off game. But yeah. I want us uh, to pick a team, uh, each of us pick a team, and then whoever finishes higher wins the rugby okay. for this month. And that person has to do what, Steve? <laughs> if you win, what is... What's going to be the... Uh... <laughs> yeah, what's going to be the, the victory or the punishment? Mm, that's Maybe we should uh, get some listener suggestions for uh, okay, that before that's we make good. a rash decision. Okay, so this will be the first round. Every month we'll, 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 we'll sort of do this wagering and whoever wins the most in the rugby, the fantasy rugby. So uh, who's your team for this month, Steve? Let's see... I'm I, gonna go with. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with Munster. Munster, okay. And Steve, I'm going to go in honor of R2 Detour, who is our uh, Imperial Gunnery um, uh, correspondent, correspondent yeah. who lives in the town of Toulon. That is going to be my pick, Toulon. Right. So that's uh, pronounced Toulon for you Anglophones out there. <laughs> so I'm I'm counting on Toulon to to trounce Munster uh, in the Heineken <laughs> Cup, and, uh, and we'll see. I have no idea what any of these things mean. It's, they call them fixtures. I don't know what that means. Um, a typical score is 15 to 9 or 30 to 14. I don't believe that Toulon and Munster have any head-to-head matches, which is unfortunate. Okay. Um, but uh, So that, that'll be fun, something else to annoy uh, our listeners with. <laughs> and that should be that we'll come back next month with IG88 um, and uh, it'll be a new year Steve that's right well at least we all hope so uh, yeah yeah and we'll uh, we'll keep going with the uh, with season four so uh, wampa wampa adios this podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited Hasbro Toys or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. The official Hasbro site can be found at www.hasbro.com. Star Wars all names and sounds of Star Wars characters and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or the respective copyright and trademark holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Star Wars Collector's Archive, unless otherwise indicated.